Hi guys, welcome back to Skincare Anarchy. This is your host, Ekta. And today I have such a wonderful guest. I'm very honored um, to be interviewing them. And I really feel that, um, you know, we don't have enough uh, conversations with really, truly um, world-renowned and professional makeup artists. And, you know, to get their real opinion about the industry, the their their tips and tricks, you know. So without further ado, I want to introduce you guys to the founder um, and creator of Face Lace, Phyllis Cohen, who is also a world-renowned makeup artist. Welcome to the show, Phyllis. I'm so excited and honored to be hosting you. Oh, Ekta, thank you so, so much. I, I can't um, begin to say how honored I am in return. I had a wonderful um few days listening to some of your other um, interviews and I, I just so loved it and I can't wait to go back and hear more and so I'm, <laughs> I'm greatly greatly honored myself. Thank you so much I I would love to get started Phyllis with you telling us all about your your you know your journey what led you into makeup and um, beauty and where did it all begin? Um, I was always drawing as a child. I always drew faces and anyone who would sit for me, I would draw their portrait. And as I grew older, I, um, I, I started to collect Vogue magazines when I was in my early teens. And I, mm. I grew up in Vancouver in Canada. So there wasn't a lot of scope. Uh, so we're talking about sort of the end of the seventies now. Um, yeah. So I was, I knew who people like Jerry Hall were, I knew who David Bailey was, I knew who, you know, some designers, and I was sort of aware of the whole Studio 54 um, phenomenon, um, but I didn't really know how to access it at all. And people mm -hmm. said to me, well, you should go study fashion illustration because you're such a, a good artist. And I was like, okay, that sounds like a good idea. So uh, I did some research and I found a really excellent school in California called Art Center. Mm. And um, they had a very kind of old fashioned method of teaching. It was very, very in depth, not like art schools now. Um, and we had uh, classes on anatomy. We had classes on perspective. We had classes on color theory. We had even classes on lettering where we had to um, paint the same two words for three months, which I will never forget. Mine were California grapes. And we had to paint these letters, which were only about three quarters of an inch high. Um, and we worked on them for three months using like double zero and triple zero brushes. And so you can kind of imagine the kind of training that that would be, right. how excellent, what kind of amazing training that is for a makeup artist, you know, having to do perfect lips or perfect eyeliner or whatever. Um, but also um, we were really taught about um, the structure of the face and we learned the face in terms of um, the planes of the face. And um, we did a lot of portrait classes. <clears throat> Wow. So I really, really learned a lot about um, faces and makeup through that. And in fact, I never went to art school. I really just learned from there. Uh, and so cool. yeah, it, it's the most fantastic training, honestly. Um, and uh, there was also a really excellent fashion photography department at the same school. So I used mm -hmm. to go down to the fashion photography um, department and see what the um, students were doing. And eventually I plucked up the courage to ask them if I could do makeup on some of their class assignments. And the um, 
<clears throat> the school has such a good reputation that the model agencies would actually send new models there to get headshots. So um, through that way, I was able to work on, on great faces. And um, <laughs> because I could uh, pursue the photographers, I would get the photos from them. Um, and when I graduated, I had two portfolios, you know, one for makeup and one for illustration. And the fashion photography students continued to use me. So I had a really um, fantastic introduction into the world of makeup artistry, which um, so we're talking now about 1980. It wasn't Ooh, okay. really a, it wasn't a very well developed field. You know, there were hardly any agents. Um, you know, makeup artists were doing editorial. They were doing well in L.A. Um, there was actually very little editorial, but, you know, I, I did a little bit of it. Um, I did um, some music stuff, um, but everyone kept saying, you know, you need to go to Europe because my style was quite kind of wild and incorporated a lot of illustration into it. And um, even when I went to New York, when I did finally decide I was going to leave L.A. and go to Europe, I stopped off in New York. And even there, they said, no, what you're doing is way too wild. You've got to go to Europe. Um, and so I did. Yeah. No, I mean, it's, it's, it's really interesting to me that you, um, you know, you started with this really technical, technical background, you could say, you know, and training, because I find that, um, you know, from the previous interviews I've done, makeup artists you know is it's that training that level of um technical skill that really for them i think sets them apart and it, it's really about that human anatomy like you had mentioned i mean i think that um you know i still remember i i remember the the big papers with the, the face on it you know what i mean and you learn like mm -hmm. where to contour and where to mm -hmm. and, and those were wonderful because i think that it gave consumers a way to really look at makeup as this professional technique you know it's not just you know anyone does it i mean anyone can do it you know in a way for themselves but but to look at it from that angle it's so interesting um to analyze it as an art form Absolutely. because it's it's just it's just phenomenal i mean it's really the faces you know it's a three-dimensional canvas you know we, yeah. we talk about painting and we talk about you know all these things but those are not three-dimensional those the, you know the face is moving changing mm -hmm. skin changes everything so i just have so much respect for um you know the work that you do and and that level of training because i think that that's really the difference between like a really bad makeup look and and just something that works for you <laughs> and it fits for you <laughs> well yeah. you know I think it's a really, really wide open field. And I think it's great that there's so many different aspects of it. Uh, but uh, it may be worth just mentioning that, of course, oh, of course, when um, I started, you know, back in the 1980s, there was no retouching, right? You have to remember that it's a really important aspect. So the fact that I could do um, maybe hopefully more perfect lines and more, um, precise blending and stuff than the normal makeup artist because of my drawing and painting background. That also really set me apart as well because um, yeah, uh, retouching just didn't exist. And so I did get a reputation for being able to do uh, very precise work and that really helped me a lot. 
No, Phils, I want to know all about face lice because <laughs> this is iconic. Like, I mean, honestly, like I, um, when I, you know, was reading into it, looking into it, I was just like, this is such a huge, like, stamp that you've left behind, you know, for the makeup industry. It's just, it's an iconic thing to have created. It's an iconic, you know, just wonderful, wonderful technique. So I, I would love for you to talk to us about that and how it began and where you came up with the concept and all the good stuff. Oh, thank you so much for asking. Um, I actually was playing around with stick-on makeup since the 80s. And um, in the 80s, well, I finally ended up in London, and that became my, my sort of creative home, because I came to London uh, at the height of the New Romantics, and they really understood this, like, crazy, elaborate, illustrative style that I had developed. Um, and in the first few years, um, I met Zandra Rhodes, who's just fantastic. Uh, and you may know that she does these beautiful silkscreen prints, which she incorporates into her designs. And she asked yeah. me to key the fashion shows for her for about five years in the 80s. And I really wanted to find a way to incorporate her beautiful patterns into the makeup. But of course, back then, you know, uh, you had like 20 models um you had um um about five makeup artists and so there just wasn't time to individually paint each model with yeah. um you know really really intricate lines and everything so i began to play around at home using latex and beads and crystals and fabrics and all sorts of things and i did um make for each fashion show they took about like eight hours each um but i made um like loads of stick on makeup designs um and so i always had this idea of creating something i mean it, it came from a personal need first because being uh, very obsessive about things being perfect. I was yeah. always looking for ways to be able to create really perfect makeup um, designs really quickly, yeah. and that would last. Um, and, and so it's something I, I sort of played around with ever since the 80s. And then in about 2010, I saw other makeup artists doing fashion shows, and I could see that they were beginning to stick things on the face again. And I thought, oh, you know, Hmm. If ever there was a time to, you know, create what I had been developing for the last 30 years as a business, it was now. Yeah. And so I started to do research. And um, also, um, for about 10 years previously, I uh, had also been getting a lot of work as a body painter, also because of my illustration background. Um, and there, there's always, always a struggle professionally to be able to do the most perfect results in, in the shortest time possible. That's like <laughs> whenever yeah. I was asked to do a makeup job, they always said, question one was how long is it going to take? Well, no, yeah. actually, that was question two. Question one was like, can you do it? And then question two was how long is it going to take? And so mm -hmm. um, for a lot of the jobs, um, the time that I had to do it in was virtually non-existent. So I had to come up with a method to um, be able to do like really complicated, precise makeup work quickly. And probably one of the biggest challenges I had was um, when I did a poster for Pink Floyd and um, it was oh, wow. uh, six backs and each back had a different album cover painted on it. 
With uh, that, you did that? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, I have that painting hanging in my room. Oh. Like, are you kidding? I'm the biggest Pink Floyd fan. Are you serious? Yeah. That is amazing. Yes, wow. but let me tell you the background story. Yeah. That, um, so that was, um, you know, art directed by a wonderful, amazing art director called Storm Thurgerson, who had a company called Hypnosis, and they did all the Pink Floyd artwork. And um, and I this was, I think, the third job I had done with him. And so I, when I went to talk with him about this job, he said, OK, Phyllis, this is what I want you to do. These are the album covers. You know, we have it on six backs. Now, the problem is we only have the location for eight hours. So you only have six hours to do it. So I kind of thought, oh, my God, you know, how am I going to do that? Because, of course, he was really a perfectionist. So he said, um, you know, I want it to be perfect, but you only have six hours. So I was like, okay. And I remembered I had a friend in LA that did silk screens. And I thought, so if I could work out a way that, you know, I'll do a painting of each album cover and then I'll break down the each painting into like a series of color layers and then mm -hmm. do it like a silk screen technique. So that's what I did. I, I did a painting of each of the album covers. I broke it down into colors and I made stencil layers for each color layer. And so, you know, some of the backs had only like eight, but some of them had like 40 different like stencil layers. And I got five other makeup artists. So we all worked in teams and um, for each back, it had its own um, stencil layers, which was a clear adhesive, a, a clear acetate. Uh, no, actually a clear vinyl because it's a bit more flexible. Uh, and each color was pre-mixed and it was like layer one, layer two, layer three, layer four. And so we worked very, very systematically and we did end up actually doing it in six hours. And by the time we were finished, we were like, oh my God, I can't believe we did it. <laughs> oh my gosh. And that is one of the most iconic, like just pieces of art. I think that has to do with music for me. I, I remember when I first saw that, I was like, this is, I, I need this in my life. I mean, I'm going to... I'm literally one of the biggest Pink Floyd fans you will ever meet. So I oh. think that's just amazing. <laughs> How exciting. That is yeah. really, really wonderful to hear. You know, it's yeah. so interesting. I Sorry, I'm really bad at going off on tangents. <laughs> oh, no. Tell me do. to come back, you know, if I go like exploring off in some wilderness, like what is she talking about? Um, but, um, you know, it's really interesting for about 10 years afterward. I don't know how these men found my email. But I would get emails from men saying, who were those, who were these models? And I was like, I'd have to explain this. And I'm really sorry. We were really in a rush. I didn't really have time to get to know the models. We were just like painting like crazy. But it was really interesting that men were really fascinated, I guess, because they were only looking at the back of them. And yeah, I, yeah isn't that funny? But there's still a personality to each of the models. That's why that, that's why that, that specific piece is so legendary because there's still a personality to each of the girls. Like if you guys know uh, what I'm referencing for all of our listeners, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to post this as part of um, the feature, but like this paint, like if you look at it, like each of the girls has like a personality that like shines through, even though you're looking mm -hmm. at their back because mm -hmm. of the art on their back. Like it's oh, like, thank you. you know, you can see it like, you know, for, for the model who's representing the wall, you know, you can mm -hmm. see she's more clean cut. She's got a bob. She's mm. like, you know, and, and so these kind of little details, like for people who actually can appreciate makeup, which is a whole different topic. I really want to get your opinion on. It's like, if you can appreciate like how much work goes into body art and, you know, just anything, right. Like it, it, it it's just fascinating. It's really mind blowing because those, those, 
you know, representations on the backs of actual uh, women and, and people like that evokes the exact feeling of each of those mm. albums. It really That's does. very interesting. Very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I'm gonna no, send the really, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna send the the emails over to you from now. On. Please do. I'm gonna be like, this was a this was a piece of iconic art. Don't ask questions. Just accept oh, it. No, just, that's, <laughs> no, that's but wonderful. I, mean, I really want to get your take, Phil, because I want to know what you think about the industry right now. I mean, you've seen it all. You've worked with the best of the best. You've done, you know, such great work. How do you, when you look back on this, you know, journey um, from, you know, earlier and now looking at the beauty industry and how much like social media has come into play, how much influencers have come into play, you know, I feel like everyone is a self-proclaimed makeup artist, you know, and like, what what do you think when you see that? Like, just, you know. Uh, a general overview, maybe. Mm. I think there's a lot of good and bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, um, I, I think it's really opened up the idea of what makeup can be. And that's great because I think, you know, when um, the sort of hierarchy of what makeup art was, was solely dictated by people in magazines, that was kind of great. It had some aspects that were really fantastic and really exciting because you had almost a curated um, understanding of who were the top and who was the middle. And, you know, um, the people who were considered the best got there because of really, really hard work and, and being um, celebrated by other people who were also celebrated. You know, it created a sort of hierarchy of yeah. these are the people at the top because they've worked their way up. They're working with, you know, other people who are considered the greatest in their fields. And, and so there was a sort of a, a structured hierarchy of, of professionalism kind of. Like exactly. Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and so uh, what I believe or what I see on social media is that um, it's become very democratized, you know, yeah. which is kind of great. You know, that's kind of fantastic. Um, and uh, uh, there's a lot of more factors that come into play, I think, about personality and how somebody is on film um, and what kind of a performer they are um, to um, the democratic whole world that's out there. Um, so it's a very different system of judging who's the best, if you know what I mean. And yeah. I think that it, it, it's, it's kind of great. You know, I think that there's some good aspects because, you know, I know as a makeup artist, and of course I have a lot of friends who are makeup artists, there was almost this sort of glass ceiling that um, existed in the fashion world that if you didn't know the right people, um, you know, uh, it could really not work well for you. Yeah, uh, and, yeah. I, and and it did require a certain amount of conformity, which I was always not very good at. <laughs> really, I've never <laughs> been a conformist. So that's, so, um, that's such an oxymoron for such an artistic field, you know, like, oh, how yeah. could you conform? Yeah. yeah yeah but i mean sure you could be creative you could be super creative but there was a certain way that you had to sort of behave and i was never very good at at um not just being myself 
you know yeah and fitting into a box kind of thing yeah yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense you know it makes sense and right now honestly like when i look at youtubers or tiktokers and i look at the makeup they're doing i'm not gonna lie to you like and i have no makeup background so just as a third person looking at this content i'm not knocking it you know i'm not i think there's a definitely a space for it too um like you said phyllis but i just feel like the amount of publicity and the amount of like you know hype that influencers get for makeup that's just not practical mm. is like it's it's causing a problem you know what i mean like i feel like it's creating so many products in this industry yeah. that just don't need to be created and it's like i'm sorry i'm not gonna walk out with a foundation that's so full coverage that you literally can't see my pores <laughs> like you know what i mean like i'm not gonna do that like why would i do that and i'm going into work like that makes no yeah. sense so yeah, you know, mm. yeah. Go ahead, go I, I remember watching uh, one um, somebody, an influencer on Instagram, and she was doing a live and somebody said, what's the best concealer? And she just rattled off like one thing. And, and I was like, oh, my God. Well, you know, and I'm not even that sort of product fanatical. But for me, you know, if somebody asked me what's the best concealer, you know, I want to know what kind of skin type they have, what color, like what kind of circles, like how they would use it, you know, do they want it to be heavy, do they want it to be thin, you know, it's like a really big discussion. <laughs> I would never yeah. just blurt out say, this is the one that was like, wow. Yeah, no, kinda... I mean, it's, it's like that with a lot of things. Like, for example, I'll tell you, honestly, one of my personal issues I had with makeup for a long time was I couldn't get any kind of, uh, first of all, I can't contour fills. If you, if you watch me <laughs> contour, you would start laughing at me because I'm literally like pour paint on my face. That's what it looks like. But no, I mean, you know, I was trying to obviously do what everybody does, which is go on YouTube, learn some techniques, you know, um, for me, it was, uh, specifically powder because mm -hmm. every powder I would use it was very very heavy and it was too cakey for me mm. so I would go on there and I kid you not I remember this very clearly because I spent hours looking up YouTube videos and mm. there was not a single influencer that was able to recommend something for me for my shade of my complexion as a woman of color that wouldn't you know what I mean would do what I wanted to do and it was so mind-boggling because some of these accounts had like five million followers you mm. know you know 10 million followers and I'm sitting here thinking I'm like if you're really a makeup guru that you should know options right like you should because mm. if I go to like if I were to ever run into you you know aside from the podcast and I was like oh my god Phyllis please give me a tip about you know powder you would look at my skin and be like okay try this one you know this mm. might be good for you but but yeah. that's because you know from experience. That's because you yeah. played with different types of skin textures and different types yeah. of application methods. And that's where I get frustrated, right? Because I'm like, these are the these are the professionals that I feel like, you know, deserve to be really highlighted. And, you know, I actually had made a point, and, and I want to bring, bring this up because it's so important to me, is that the new celebrities, in my honest opinion, are the makeup artists, the people behind the scenes, the hair, mm -hmm. you know, hair artists, the stylists. I mean, those are the real celebrities, in my opinion, you know, it, yeah. because that's what's making the persona that we're falling in love with. You know, those yes. are the people yes. behind it. 
Yeah. Yes. So, yes. so I just I, I think that, you know, we we really as an industry, we have to celebrate the necessity of that professionalism that you mentioned and really talk about the people that have done work that no one else has done like you. You know, you've you've mm. really seen makeup from the inside, you know, from yeah. the backstage end. So there's definitely worse than that. And and going back to one <laughs> more thing I wanted to say, I'm sorry, I'm ranting, but like, yeah, one go, more thing, go rant. <laughs> <laughs> one more thing I wanted to say was when you mentioned that you used to collect Vogue magazine magazine um you know snippets that is so it hit home for me so much because that's how I grew up even someone mm. who you know wasn't going into art but like I would fall in love with these beautiful campaigns and yeah. these beautiful you know what I mean and I was like oh my gosh I want my makeup to look like that you know like yeah that's exactly and exactly. that's what inspired me like for me as a person you know just what I wanted so I think that's so that era was so awesome you know it to was. have these like yeah have these magazines absolutely absolutely so what do you what do you see now though phyllis like with the magazine you know that's that's another thing is like you know everything's going into digital now right so it's like how does that work you know when it comes to like magazine shoots or like you know features and stuff i mean do you still do those or have you kind of i actually yeah, I don't really have time. I found it was too difficult to run face lace and work as a makeup artist at the same time, because of course I want to give each one my all. Yeah. Um, so like, um, I probably the last few things I did were, were some celebrities. Like I, I did um, something with my great friend, um, Ali Madabi, who's a fantastic photographer, artist. And um, we did something on Kylie Minogue, um, and my friend Ali, he loves old Hollywood glamour. And he really wanted me to transform Kylie Minogue into Marlena Dietrich. Uh, mm. And that was a fantastic challenge. And so the way that I start is um, I, I got lots of pictures of Kylie Minogue looking straight on. And then I put tracing paper over uh, that photograph. And I worked, I basically did a portrait of Marlena Dietrich over a, a printout of Kylie Minogue's face because um, when I uh, flew to LA to do it, I only had an hour and a half. And there was like, you know, that, again, time constraints, always time constraints. So I need yeah. to, needed to work out exactly what I needed to do without having to faff around. Yeah. Uh, and that's how I did it. And oh that was gosh. really, really exciting, you know, and it really worked. And she really did transform into Marlene Dietrich. Oh, wow. That's so cool. God, you're yeah. the coolest person ever. Phyllis. Oh, my God. Like, <laughs> I love that. I love that you like, you, you know, that's oh, my gosh. You can't tell you how much respect I have for a true artists. Like, I really can't express it. Like art to me, it's like, you know, you have to know how to to make what you're trying mm. to make. You know, you just have to do it and you have to have vision and you have to have the skills, obviously, but you have to have that vision. And I feel like people you're not you can't certain on on certain levels you can't be taught that you either have it or you don't kind of thing so it's like you know when i see individuals such as yourself that have done such amazing work it's like that's something that i feel like it's underlying in all of you is that it, there's a spark you know there's a mm. there's a level of talent that exists that can't be taught and you know i think in from an education standpoint i love what you had said about your training because i wish more colleges would do that honestly mm. i wish mm. people had that opportunity to go to schools learn proper 
you know, drawing, painting, whatever it requires to perfect your hand, you know, because mm-hmm. like it's a profession. It's a profession. Makeup artistry is a very coveted profession. And if you want to enter it like that, it's for all my listeners, you know, and if you're an inspiring makeup artist, you should train yourself to be one, you know, mm-hmm. to be a professional. But with that being said, Phyllis, I want to get your advice for all of the budding makeup artists that do want to, you know, they want to do it right. Any words of wisdom you can share with us? I think, um, you know, when I was listening to what you were saying and what you were describing to me, it's, it's finding your passion. You know, for me, um, I really love faces and, you know, I, I was adopted and I think that because I've never had, and so are my brothers and sisters. So um, I've never had a face around me that looked like me. And so that gives me this real yearning about faces you know, mm-hmm. uh, um, I have a, almost a very fluid relationship to faces uh, and I'm t- totally fascinated by them. Absolutely fascinated. And and so um, for me, the, the fashion, the fascination of faces um, makes me want to learn everything about them. And, yeah. you know, that may be a completely different approach for every other makeup artist. You know, they may really love color or they may really love skin or they may really love eyebrows or, you know, whatever it is. I think it's really important to find your passion. Like, what is the thing that just absolutely fascinates you about faces and start from there and then really build on there and make it like a really, really serious um, lifelong yearning to just know more and get better and 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 really go for it and i think um because if you just approach it like you're gonna tick boxes yeah i mean yeah you'll probably do okay you know you'll be competent and you know your career will sort of get take you to a certain level but if you're really passionate and you really really love it you know people pick up on that and they 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 will get into that and they will go with you on that journey because they they you know everyone loves passion and everyone loves when people are really really enthusiastic about what they do i mean my style isn't for everybody <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> i mean i really scared a lot of people off you know when um the 80s was really wild and i was sort of riding this wonderful wave of super creativity it all ended as all fashion trends do and I, be- <laughs> I became a sort of like makeup pariah. Like if it was like, no, don't use her. You know, she's going to like do something really weird. You know, don't, yeah, don't, no. no. Uh, and that was when I started to do body painting. But, it, you know, things come around again. You know, yeah. and they always yeah. will. That's how fashion is. Um, well, I find that I find that to be interesting because you know I've seen so many people um, utilize you know face art and just really kind of draw you know drawing on like certain lines or shapes or just you know just glamming up their look you know in a different mm. kind of way. And I think that's a really really cool trend. I think that we should all um, really kind of pay attention to that because I've you know I watch some artists on YouTube. I'll give you another example is like the the real the painters of the generation Mm -hmm. you know and they're doing Mm -hmm. like the halloween makeup or they're doing all of that and it's like i always am sitting in awe of their of their skill because i'm like that's beautiful you know to understand yeah yeah so i think there's definitely you know um i think if someone can create something that is so fitting like you know for the face and it can it can change based on face shapes like you know yeah. so created with face lace i mean that's that's huge you know that's a really big thing and and 
I think that in the industry, we're so used to saying one size doesn't fit all that we forget that there are still things that can be staples, amazing, you know, ways to learn, amazing ways to just kind of, you know, amp up your look a little bit, stand out a little bit more. I'm a huge advocate for that you know I don't, I don't like the uniform everyday look everyone's wearing it it's like what makes you unique you know you're just yeah you look like a zombie like <laughs> yeah well so, you know uh, one of the um, interesting things I learned when I um is I went back to college in the 90s actually and really uh, studied makeup from a sort of perceptual science point of view uh, which I found absolutely fascinating, you know, how the brain analyzes beauty and attractiveness and all that stuff. And one of the most interesting things I learned was that um, how we remember faces. Uh, we remember faces like caricatures. So we don't remember what's perfect about them. We remember what's imperfect about them. And I just love that, you know, we're all striving to like have like a more perfect nose and, and you know, perfectly proportioned lips and blah, 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 blah. But that's actually like not how we, rem how we remember faces. And I just love that. You know, I yeah. just I, I think that that is such a healthier way to think about your face, like be memorable. You don't have to be perfect, be memorable and don't yeah. worry about, you know, what's imperfect about your face, because that's actually what people love. That's what people fall in love with. And that's what people remember about you. And I think yeah. that that's just great. I love that. No, it's it's a beautiful, beautiful message. I agree with you. I think that we all have to become more comfortable in our skin. And, and that's really what body positivity means is, you know, you do you kind of thing. It's not about mm -hmm. how many people can you get to conform to this one way of being body positive. No, it's about whatever makes you feel good. So, you yeah. know, I, and that, I, I yeah. completely agree. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And embrace your imperfections because that is what makes you memorable. Exactly. Exactly. Well, Phils, this has been so awesome. I loved chatting with you. You're definitely a master of your craft, and I'm so excited that we had a chance to chat. And for everyone listening, I hope you guys learned from the episode like I did. Um, If you have any questions for Phyllis or anything, questions about face lace, uh, please leave them in the comments section. I'll definitely pass them along to Phyllis's team. But thank you so much. This has been such an honor to host you. Thank you so much, Ekta. I really, really enjoyed it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I think I did go all over the place. But <laughs> no, but not I at hope all. You, yeah. And um, yeah, I really, really appreciate you asking me because I, I feel very honored to be in your magnificent list of interviews. Thank you so much. That means the world to me. And for everyone listening, please make sure you guys rate us, ring, you know, give us a rating, write us a review. Helps us a lot. So thank you for listening. And I will be back next time.